Welcome to the Japan Longing Club podcast, a podcast for those who long to travel to Japan and appreciate media, games, and real-life culture from Japan and the world beyond. I am your host, Jared, and I hope that you are having an amazing day. If this goes right and as planned, uh, this will be coming out on you know, Friday or Saturday, recording this at the same time I am recording episode 13, because this is episode 14 of the Japan Logging Club podcast. That's right, 1-4, 14. We're almost at 15. That's crazy. Um, so episode 14 of the podcast. Got some things planned for this. Uh, kind of a special episode, but going to continue along with the Get Prefectured series. So going to talk about Kumamoto Prefecture in this episode. Going to go over a Camellia Teahouse story. And then I'm going to dive into some of the Nintendo Direct news. So Nintendo did one of their famous Directs that they've been doing for years now. A couple of years they do them. Uh, where there's a bunch of games announced. And sometimes there's big news. Sometimes there's not. And I'm going to give some of my uh, <laughs> sort of educated reaction to the games announced. Because, you know, pro gamer over here. So we'll do the Get Prefectured first and the Camellia Teahouse story for the uh, the listeners who enjoy hearing that every time, and then go into the Nintendo news. So hopefully we'll stick around, talk about that for a little bit, and wrap up the, the show. Uh, there will be you know no uh, reopening news on this because that's covered in episode 13, but if you somehow skipped 13... Sounds like there's going to be a lot of major news coming up in the next possible week um, with uh, <laughs> Japan basically almost fully reopening uh, or hopefully fully reopening to individual travelers. So big, big, exciting times here. Anyways, get prefectured. So this episode, Kumamoto, it's on the west coast of Kyushu and the capital city of Kumamoto prefecture is Kumamoto City. Uh, there's a famous mascot, if my memory is serving me right. I think it's like a bear. Um, you should go look that up. Just Google Kumamoto. <laughs> You'll see it. Um, so, yeah, in this area, there are definitely a few interesting spots. We did Miyazaki Prefecture in, ep- in the episode before this. It feels, it feels like Miyazaki is a little more um, kind of harder to get to because it's below Oyata Prefecture it looks like the train runs through Oyata, but getting into Miyazaki is a little tough. Uh, Kumamoto. Kumamoto Prefecture is, uh, it looks like, I mean, I think that's where like, the bullet train goes up through it. So it's a lot easier to, to get to some of these spots. So let us start with something that I always forget about. But then when I'm reminded, I always want to go to immediately. Um, Kurokawa Onsen. So this is about three hours away from Kumamoto City. Uh, there's a train and a bus that will get you there. or So it's part train, part bus, or you can just take a bus. And it's one of the best onsen locations with many ryokan uh, set right next to a beautiful river. So again, a, Jap- a Japanese ryokan is like, a you know, that's like the word for an inn over there. Um, so traditional you know, tatami flooring, um, the mats on the ground, you've got the uh, futon, like bedding, uh, beautiful, usually, you know, those sliding doors, uh, traditional room styles, uh, typically. Sometimes there's Western rooms there, um, or sometimes there's like a mix of the two. So anyways, definitely a nice stay. 
and you're next to just gorgeous river in apparently like this entire area of the onsen um i don't hear about this area too often right but when it does come up like i said before i instantly want to travel there i want to try to figure out a way to fit it on a trip it's kind of out of the way if you're not down in kyushu though because it just is i mean it's like going to kumamoto um city and then you really need to like make this a destination to to get out to it but i would say it's probably worth it if you're going to stay out there for probably like a good day um just with all of the beautiful pictures that exist of the different ryokan that are available so the place is gorgeous everyone in the town works together so these different businesses work together to preserve the area and to give it like a classic onsen feel so there's no large hotels or modernized signs or like electrical wire. Well, I'm sure there's like electrical wires going places, but I, I'm not sure if they actually bury them underground there or if they're just not as easily seen. Um, but it's all like to be discreet, to preserve like this old kind of classic onsen town feel. Kind of like how some of the post towns in Japan have um, preserved their look and feel. So... Also, it's a famous area featuring um, Dotenboro. So uh, Dotenboro are outdoor baths. Um, sometimes they're mixed gender, sometimes they're not. But outdoor baths are a completely different experience. Or I mean, it's similar, but it's different. Um, going out into an outdoor bath in Japan. Uh, it, it's definitely got a nice vibe. Sometimes it's super, super pretty. Different from just being indoors with what is potentially just what looks like a small swimming pool um but anyways yeah kurokawa onsen uh i would say if you're going up through that area and you want to spend like a day that would be a way to do it and spend another day um near what is also nearby the onsen or on the way is mount aso so mount aso is an active volcano in the center of kyushu it last erupted in 2021 so last year uh it's an area that's about so there's an area right now that is about one kilometer around the um, so like around the volcano, uh, the crater. Uh, it, so that's blocked off right now to protect people from getting too close. Uh, there are poisonous volcanic gases that are released into the air that will make you very sick. And there is a risk of volcanic eruption. So you can't get too close to the crater um, depending on these factors and also weather. Uh, you can't really get too close. Sounds like under certain conditions, you can get closer to the crater. Uh, pictures of this place, yeah, you, you'll kind of get a good vibe of what it's like. Might be worth visiting. Might be just worth kind of, I don't know, going past it on your way to Kurokawa Onsen. I'm not really sure if the scenery works like that. Uh, maybe a little more research involved for that one. But but yeah, Mount Aso, there's like a parking lot. You can definitely get some good views there. And then, of course, there's Kumamomo, uh, Kumamomo, Kumamoto City. Uh, so here, it's famous for the Kumamoto Castle, and there's also the Suizenji Garden. So the castle is one of the most famous in Japan. Um, if you're ever looking up castles, usually this one gets listed uh, because uh, it rivals, from what I can see, now I have not been to Himeji Castle, uh, but it looks like it rivals Himeji. And it also offers more than Matsumoto. So I have been to Matsumoto Castle. I've been to Osaka Castle. 
Uh, yeah, I I guess it would be more in line with Matsumoto, but it looks a lot bigger. There's like more buildings. Uh, so this castle in Kumamoto City was damaged in 2016's Kyushu earthquakes. Um, there were a number of people who died from those earthquakes. There were like uh, landslides and and other things that had happened. Uh, so this castle, even though it is like a, a reconstruction of the original castle, it was damaged enough where repairs are being done. Uh, it's actually planned to be repaired going into possibly 2038. I have no idea how they picked that far out, like that specific year. Um, but, you know, going up into the, the late 2030s, that's crazy to think about, that this castle will continue to be repaired. Uh, the main keep was reopened to the public in 2021. So that's like a, a nice attraction that has reopened, uh, even though it's largely reconstructed, um, like I just said before that the, there's just damage done throughout the whole castle. So there's just, there's articles out there. Um, there are guides just to check before you go, just to see like what is open. I think there's like a main hall of some sort that is going to be closed for quite a while. Uh, there are around 800 cherry blossom trees planted around the castle, so it's a beautiful site in Sakura season. I guess it gets really busy. So yeah, if you're going in the springtime, and if you're going to go down into Kagoshima, you know, if you took a flight down there and you spent a day or two there, get some uh, volcano action down there, maybe you're going to go to the island um, that's down there as well, that we were talking about in the other episode. And then travel north up into Kumamoto Prefecture. This would be a great stop. I, I don't know why you wouldn't stop to see this castle. Uh, apparently it's not that far from the station. So easily accessible. Awesome. That ends Get Prefecture for this episode. Let's go into stories from the tea house. So grab a bowl of matcha and some Japanese sweets as we read the following story from Camellia Tea House in Kyoto. Uh, going to read two pieces from their recent post, Scars of History. So um, they wrote that every now and then, when wandering around the city, you can actually see historical moments captured in time. And so I am going to read... There's a couple of different examples that they have, so I highly recommend, like I usually do, to check out the whole post. Later in the post, there's two of them, The Pilgrim Scratch and A Pointless War. So The Pilgrim Scratch is in reference to Kiyomizu, uh, so Kiyomizu Dera, and if you ever look up anything about Kyoto, uh, Kiyomizu Dera is like the famous area that always shows up um there's this massive uh like overlook there um it's usually packed with people on the ascent there's like a shopping street up to kiyomizadera um so yeah there's a it's a really cool place so there's two uh so basically kiyomizadera has given birth to two famous idioms one to jump off the stage at Kiyomizu is similar to the English expression taking the plunge. Uh, and they have a whole article about what that's about, where people would jump off a huge uh, stage and get hurt or die. Um, and then the other idiom, circling the temple hall, uh, Doro Meguri, is like the English phrase going around in circles. The idiom is a reference to the pilgrims that would circle the temple's main hall, often many hundreds of times whilst praying as an act of piety. 
Um, on the east side of Kiyomizudera's main hall, on a beam below the latticed shutters, is a long, deep scratch. It was created by the countless rosary beads rubbed against the wood so that worshippers would feel their way around the hall in the dark. Um, I believe it's Kiyomizudera that has the, there's like an underground kind of dark hallway and I won't explain more of it because it's actually part of the experience. So I'm assuming that this other area had something else that had to do with the dark, or maybe that was just when people did this at night as well. Um, <laughs> a more fanciful legend explains that um, Benke accidentally scratched the wood when he was pestering Miramoto no Yoshitsune uh, at Kiyomizu Dera. So, there's also a post about Benkei's battle with someone named Ushiwakamaru. Um, but there's a picture here of this long scratch and like what this is. And it's definitely ingrained in the wood. Really kind of cool to check that out. I feel like I've never seen that while I've been there, but now I want to go hunt this down just to be like, I found the scratch. Uh, the next article in this um, where that's the scars of history or, or things that were left behind physically um, from history is a pointless war. So the owning war, 1467 to 1477, 10 years, was the greatest calamity to have ever struck Kyoto. A succession issue that grew into an all-out civil war and 10 years of sporadic violence that destroyed most of the city and its precious treasures. That sucks. Haven't heard of this one, but that sucks. Because it was so destructive, there are very few physical remains from the war. But Daihunji's main hall miraculously bears some scars. Constructed in 1227, it is the oldest surviving building, building within the old city limits. That's cool. It's a miracle that the original hall survived to this day. Uh, Yamana Sozen leader of the Western camp in the Onin War, was determined to protect the temple. His grandfather was buried there. It was one, it was one of only a few buildings in Kyoto to survive the conflict. The hall may have survived the 10-year civil conflict, but inside, many of the pillars are scarred with sword marks that are still visible. It shows how violent fighting was in the Onin War. There were running battles not only through the temple grounds, but through its actual buildings. Um, this is wild. I'm going to try to figure out where this is, because I feel like I want to maybe see this in person. Um, that's wild. So, yeah, follow Camellia Tea House on Twitter, at Camellia Kyoto, for more Japan culture, tea, and history posts. And check out their website, t-kyoto.com, for pricing and scheduling. And I would say... Check that out sooner than later, because if the news is coming soon that Japan is reopening, you might want to look into making some reservations. Hard to say how fast uh, tourism is going to influx back into Kyoto, but you don't want to miss out. So give it a look. Let's talk about the news here, about the Nintendo Direct. So I, I call in this the Nintendo Direct reaction. Are you ready? Uh, I don't know why I titled that. that. Uh, I should probably come up with a better name. Let's do um, the Nintendo, the Nintendo Farming Simulator Experience. The the uh, episode of this podcast title is probably going to be um, every farming game at the Nintendo Direct. Uh, <laughs> something like that. Let me pull up the list here, right from Nintendo's website. 
So they even highlight some news out of this Nintendo Direct, and then they go through everything else, and you can click on each section. So let's get started with announcing the latest installment of the Fire Emblem series. Okay, so there's this game, uh, Fire Emblem Engage, and... You know, I should I should actually say, this is where if you're not really into gaming as much, you know, you can peace out, get excited for whenever the next episode of the Japan Logging Club podcast comes out. You know, follow us online, all that great stuff. But yeah, if you're into gaming, which I, I think some of our listeners are, um, this is going to be fun. So, Fire Emblem Engage. Just going to give some quick reactions for some of these news items. This game, something to do with the Fire Emblem series. I played the most recent uh, Fire Emblem game that came out on the Switch. Was it Three Houses? Uh, yeah, I, all I can say is that like you can summon characters from the past. Um, it looks like a, a Switch game. Let me say this: a lot of the footage in this Nintendo Direct, some of it was a little uh, janky. Uh, it was a little. Uh, like that the frames were dropping so i don't know i thought it was just my stream then i watched other people's like restreams of it and it is the same experience so it's hard to say what's going on with the, with these games game looks interesting character has like red and blue hair split down the middle that's funny uh whatever game's coming out fire emblem fans are excited that's what i can say Another Nintendo Direct Spotlight news that Nintendo thinks is important. Octopath Traveler 2 is coming. So another eight new travelers embark on a journey. Octopath Traveler. Uh, I played through all of that game. Uh, you follow eight individual characters. Their story paths all play out individually, but sometimes they meet up together. And you're going to bring a party through an RPG. It's a turn-based RPG game. Uh the graphics are like a hybrid, um, I guess, what's that term that Square Enix uses? Uh, 2D, 3D, I don't even know. But it's like almost like Papercraft. Actually, the first Octopath Traveler game, the, the limited or special edition, came with a uh, like a Papercraft book where the sets would pop out as you turn the pages. And that's pretty much what Octopath Traveler does in all of their scenery. There's like foreground uh you know middle ground background super foreground super background it's all layered and it looks super super pretty uh, pikmin 4 was announced i don't think i've ever played a pikmin game i think the most i ever got involved with pikmin was when you had to transfer data from the wii to the wii u and the little pikmin would like bring the data packets on your screen or whatever that was all about yeah that was uh that was weird uh, um, Miyamoto was out for that segment. It was cool to see him. He's looking good. He's talking about Chris Melodandri, or I think that's his name, uh, from whatever animation studio that is, is making a Mario movie. So that's still coming. Uh, predictions that Chris Pratt was going to show up because he's voice voicing Mario um, in that movie. That didn't happen. That would have been hilarious. So if that was on your bingo card, if you were taking bets, I'm sorry. Uh, and then they ended the direct with a major piece of news that basically, let's see, Legend of Zelda, uh, Breath of the Wild 2 is now renamed to Tears of the Kingdom. So that's Law's talk. Um, is that's going to launch on May 12th, 2023. 
So that's a little bit of a wait, but that gives something, you know, a lot of people something to look forward to for May. Uh, that's going to be right before E3 video game time. That's going to be great. That's uh, I, Breath of the Wild was a game that both myself and my wife had played through. We've both played through it, I believe, twice now. And uh, the second time I did that extra DLC, that was worth it. Cool game. Really chill. Uh, it, it does a good job for what it was uh, when it came out. Very interested to see what's happening with this. If you ever look at the very limited footage, not even a full trailer. Um, looks like Link is up in the sky and doing stuff for some reason. Okay, great. Let's go on to some of the other headlines here. Uh, it Takes Two is coming to the Nintendo Switch. That's like a critically acclaimed game that came out within the last year or two on other platforms. I can't say it looks very great on the Switch, but I don't know. You know, families might not care. That's like about a married couple that are going through some hard times. Sounds like they uh, need to go to that shrine. <laughs> what was it? That that shrine on that island with the white bridge to get to it um, in the last episode of the podcast. Uh, yeah. Um, off of Miyazaki Prefecture, right? They need to go to that shrine, and they they need to go and and go to the marriage, <laughs> good luck at marriage place. Um, go go take a trip. But no, this game is like a kid who sees their parents maybe going to get a divorce, and like the parents get turned into puppets, and then it's all platforming and mini bosses. Yeah, that's that's something. I have no idea how it ends. I've always been curious. I should just look it up, but. Eh. Uh, Fatal Frame Mask of the Lunar Eclipse is coming to the West. Uh, Fatal Frame is like a, a, a series that's been out for a, a long time where, uh, I don't know, it's it's spooky, spooky ghost stuff where you, you take a camera and when you do take pictures of things, there's ghosts in the photos and, and all of that. I'm trying to remember, is that like a Japan thing or is that a global thing where you take a picture we won't go down that those those scary paths right now, but I think that's more like ingrained in some Japanese photo culture. I feel like I learned that in an anime or something one day <laughs> in the past. That's a game. Uh, there's some extra downloadable stuff coming out for Xenoblade Chronicles 3. That's awesome. I'm so happy that I'm not playing that game yet because I'm playing Elden Ring for probably the rest of my life. Um, but Xenoblade Chronicles 3, I like that series. I guess more content is a, is a good thing, even though there's a lot already. Uh, so one day, we'll get to that and all that great stuff. Here's a section. Get drawn into these Nintendo Switch games. Uh, SpongeBob SquarePants, The Cosmic Shake, Fitness Boxing, Fist of the North Star, Oddballers, and Tunic. Well, get this. Two of those are probably worth playing, as in Tunic. Um, Tunic is like that game, like a little fox. Looks like a little like a Zelda game. Uh, doesn't look like it's running so great on the Switch. Going to have to wait and see what that's like. But that game has been in development forever. Uh, my wife and I played that at PAX East like three or four years ago. A um, lot of puzzles, a lot of puzzling going on. Uh, you're solving things. The only information you're given is like a like a guide manual that's like all hand drawn. And as you play the game, more of the guide unlocks itself. And it doesn't give you 
like English words or whatever words you're used to seeing, uh, it gives you like a tunic language and it's just, it's chock full of secrets. Um, yeah, well received. The other game that might be worth trying fitness boxing fist of the North star. The trailer for that is hilarious. You're literally just like, I think you're taking the joy con and like moving them. You're probably just hitting a button as well. And you are like in the fist of the North star anime. What is that? Hokuto no Ken? Is that what it is? Oh man, that just that just sounds great. Uh, <laughs> front mission, like mech battling uh, strategy games. Uh, the first three games are all getting remade, coming out on Switch. A wonderful life in Forgotten Valley awaits. Uh, so whatever that is. So this is where like all of these farming games started getting announced. There's like a bunch of them. There's like three or four of them in this direct. It's wild. I, I don't even know what to say about that. It's forgettable. Uh, the first Splatfest for Splatoon 3 has been confirmed. I think that game is out. No, yeah, it must be out. People are talking about it. So Splatoon 3 is out. Splatfest. Cool. Um, I, I heard that uh, someone who was working on these games posted artwork of like a world map for Splatoon and it just kind of like expands on the lore of like what this game is. I saw that map. It makes no sense to me, but I'm, I think that made some fans happy. Um, here's another one. Fay farm. Welcome to your new fairy tale life in Fay farm. So some people are talking about this. I, it's like it's another farming game, just like a little twist that's different from the other farming game. It, it looked a little cuter. I I don't know. I, go look it up. Theater Rhythm, Final Fantasy, celebrating 35 years. Uh, it's called, like, what, the Final Bar? Theater Rhythm, Final Bar Line. So it has tons of songs. There's like DLC packs and stuff. I think there's like four to 500 songs total from all of these Final Fantasy games. It's like a, um, it's a rhythm game where when you do match the beat and you're hitting buttons that matches the stuff on your screen, you're like doing battles. Um, man, I haven't played theater rhythm since the first one. I don't even think I played the second one. Those are both on the 3DS. This is the first one on Switch, so it's been a while. The final bar line. Man, that sounds like it's the final one, so I might play it because I love that music. And uh cannot wait for the 35th anniversary concert. What is that? Distant Worlds Choral is coming up soon. Can't wait. Uh, the next Mario and Rabbids game. Uh, what is that? Sparks of Hope or Sparks of Hope. That's coming out. I played that first Mario and Rabbids game earlier this year. That surprisingly decent game did not get the DLC 30 to 40 hours entertaining enough, not much quality beyond that, but entertaining. So this game's probably going to do pretty well. Um, Runaway hit. I think with the first one rune factory three returns to the Nintendo switch. Um, you can transform into a monster in that some kind of like RPG. I don't know. Looks pretty. Not familiar with the series. More in, uh, Nintendo 64 games are coming. So Pilot Wings, Mario Party 1, 2, maybe Mario Party 3, <laughs> Pokemon Stadium 1 and 2, GoldenEye 007 with online play. That's was a big announcement. Those are coming. The snowboarding game, Excitebike 64. Yeah, if you're into paying for the higher tier of Nintendo 64 games, 
on the uh, Nintendo Switch Online. Awesome. I just pay for the regular one, and I have access to, what, Nintendo and Super Nintendo games? That's good enough for me. Maybe one day I'll do the N64 tier, but uh, for now, it's all good. Then they did, like, a, a thing with, like, a, a bunch of different games again. Uh, Square Enix released, I think it's, like, a Apple and Google, like, phone game. But it's called Various Daylife, and it uses the same font as Octop- Octopath Traveler and, and Bravely Default. Looks like it's some kind of mix of those games, but it's maybe simplified. Who knows? But Various Daylife, that's a hilarious name. Factorio, I've heard of Factorio for a while. Uh, something about landing on a planet, mining resources, um, repairing a ship, and all kinds of management stuff. That game, that trailer for the Switch looked like it was running well, uh, but it looks so resource intensive. I wonder if it will break. <laughs> Good luck. Another game, Ib, 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 looks like it's all hand drawn stuff. It's something about going into like an art museum and like, I don't know if they're going into paintings or what. It looks simple, but I'm sure it'll make some people happy. And then more stuff for Mario Strikers Battle League, uh, if anyone is playing that. <laughs> um, there was, let's see, more news on the next wave of Mario Kart 8 Deluxe DLC, the booster course pass. That game's been out, what, like, since early Switch days? It's a re-release of Mario Kart 8 from the Wii U. That game already had a bunch of content. Then they're doing eight, what is it, like, eight waves or something of, of like, eight, is it four tracks each or eight more courses each? I don't know. That's that's crazy. I, I do have this, the first wave I played. That was just awesome to get more tracks. Um, so many tracks are being brought into this game. It's wild. Makes you think the Switch is going to be out for a few more years, which is interesting. Um, something got delayed for the Nintendo Switch Sports. Something about adding golf and who knows, going into the holiday. Uh, that game kind of came and went, it sounds like. Um, Just Dance 2023. Go get it. If you like to dance, uh, another harvesting game. This one is the one that I am actually interested in. I, I, I think there's a demo. I got to give it a shot. Yeah, there is a demo. So it's called Harvestella. It's a Square Enix game. Harvesting, farming sim, RPG, the curse of death is coming. There's a lot going on, uh, <laughs> but I'm actually interested in that one. Um, Bayonetta 3, that's coming out in October. That's finally coming out. Uh, I'm happy for Bayonetta fans. I feel like I need to try out someday the combo pack thing that came out of Bayonetta 1 and 2. I don't think I've ever played those games. Um, I might have played the first one a little bit. I think I would like it. I think it's up my alley of being this Umbra witch whatever is going on. I don't really want to say much on it if I don't know what it is. So, uh, but yeah, it, it, I think it's my kind of game. And then there's this other game rain code. It's from like the creators of, uh, Dong and Rampa. I have never played Dong, Dong and Rampa. I know everyone calls it dragon grandpa. Uh, I don't know anything about those, but it's like a, it's like a mystery, like a solving a dark fantasy mystery in the city that always rains. And the the art style is unique. It does look cool, and it's like you're you're fighting battles with words. I, that game is that, that's interesting. Uh, 
Resident Evil games are coming to the Switch through that cloud streaming thing. I've never done that, but I heard that Kingdom Hearts cloud streaming uh, collections was a nightmare. So, good luck. Another little combo uh, release of some games. Sifu is coming. It's like a martial arts fighting game. Every time you die, you get a little older, but as you get older, you get more skills. That looks cool. They quickly threw in the Crisis Core Final Fantasy VII Reunion trailer. The game's coming out to Switch. I think it's coming out to PS4 and PS5 as well. Uh, I have no idea about Xbox. Um, I don't know if I want to play this on the Switch. Originally I did, but PS5, I yeah, it's probably going to look prettier and run better there. It's a remake of uh, Crisis Core. And while I do have a PSP, and I believe I have a copy of Crisis Core, I never played it. Um, I have a good friend of mine from back in the day who sent me in the mail their PSP, but I had never played it. Um, back in my early video game journalism and podcasting days but yeah that's i just never really played it so this is the time to do it that looks awesome so cool beans there and tales of symphonia that's getting a what remaster coming out for nintendo switch that's a famous game i think i rented it i i think i might have it for gamecube definitely didn't play it um I probably should. There's something about that game that everyone loves, so <laughs> maybe you should take a look. One more collection of games here. Life is Strange Arcadia Bay Collection. Life is Strange is an amazing game. Uh, that whole thing about the end. Bay versus Bay, if you know what I mean. Um, highly recommend that if you haven't ever seen it. Uh, Lego Brick Tales. That kind of looks like a cool Minecraft-ish building game with Legos. I want to know what that is. That seems cool. A few other ga- a few other games. Fall Guys, Disney Speedstorm, etc. Great. Uh, and then Kirby's Return to Dreamland is getting a remake on Nintendo Switch. I didn't know what this was. I think people were freaking out when it was announced. I think it came out on the Wii. It looks cool. Then again, I say that about like every Kirby game that I end up buying and then I barely play. I think I just really like the look of Kirby and the feel good. So, you know, I'll probably end up with this, but that recent one that came out, what is it? Kirby and the Lost City or I don't know, the one you turn into a car with mouthful mode. Yeah, I played that for like the first two or three sets of world levels and then I stopped. Uh, Definitely fun though. I should go back to playing that, but then, you know, Chrono Cross came out and then Elden Ring and I don't know what I'm doing with my life anymore. But that's pretty much all of the news. Overall, well, you know what? Let's do a special secret uh, add-on that was not advertised. The Sony State of Play, right? So I I got home late. I wasn't able to watch this direct in real time because, you know, I was working my my nine to five. Uh, But I watched this direct really late. And then, like, my YouTube just auto-plays the Sony State of Play. I had no idea State of Play happened. State of Play is basically like a Nintendo Direct. Uh, It's usually shorter. It's questionable to like how it actually compares to the direct directs are like so well put together and the reveals are just, they're so streamlined, um, chock full of stuff. The internet freaks out. Even if it's like a rumor that there's a direct, 
state of plays hit or miss um usually miss but this one i i don't know if that's because i have a ps5 now or what but the the state of play hit differently um there's a game uh called like stellar something so i didn't prepare for this segment let's just say that there is this like stellar whatever that game is uh it's got like anime girls in it it's got anime boys it's it's like super good graphics there's an old dude with a beard if you've seen this data play you know what i'm talking about it's like an action game um that's crazy the the like story seems interesting that game looks great um and then it was that other one that ronin game uh was it was it koei tecmo is that how you say it um Oh, that Ronin game looks amazing. I want to play Ghost of Tsushima just to get like some, you know, what samurai fighting stuff in. This Ronin whatever game coming out in 2024. I guess it's 2024 announcement. That looks awesome too. Really cool battle system. So, uh, yeah, check those out. Sorry, I'm not so great on the names, but you know, whatever. And then there was like that car game. Um, I fell asleep during the state of play and then I watched it again. Um, kind of like I was a Jeff Gersman, uh, formerly of, of giant bomb. Now he's on his own as the, the Jeff Gersman show on YouTube, like watched, you know, he watches over you, you kind of like listen to his reaction to the stuff. I fell asleep during the state of play. I had no idea how much I missed last night. And then I'm watching this thing with uh, the Jeff Gersman stream. And I'm like, Oh my God, there's this car rogue car game. Like, this is a zombie car. I don't even know what's going on. Uh, but yeah, state of play. Check that out too. Um, but yeah, thanks for listening to me ramble here about, you know, the reactions to the Nintendo Direct. You know, I'll never forget that back in the day, like I was saying, I don't know how long have they been doing this? 10 years or something? But uh, back in the day, when these directs would get announced, being a part of like a gaming website and doing journalism and and whatever for the you know, 50 people that would read an article or something, you know, directs were a big deal. If a direct happened, they get announced like a day or two before you would have a whole like small team of people on a direct and writing as much as you could, as fast as you could trying to get those articles out for, I don't know, but what, what's the point? <laughs> um, what is the overall point when like Nintendo now just has their own site that has like, they highlight all of the news anyways, and it looks really nice. I didn't even know they did that. Uh, this makes me question why we did all of that work um, <clears throat> for free back then. So anyways, that is this episode of the Japan Longing Club podcast. Um, thanks again for listening through going to be back probably hmm, next week i am gonna be away for a little bit maybe um there's you know so like next week there's uh i will be editing a podcast though it's the uh, revolutionary podcast utena that i do with uh randy from the uh the uh you know first 10 episodes of the japan Longing club podcast but we are over we're almost halfway through or over halfway through the um utena podcast the watch along we recorded it all last year going into early this year and we have episodes coming out regularly now every two weeks so i'll be editing that one next week should be coming out next week cannot wait 
Um, yeah, gonna have some good downtime. Uh, can't wait to just uh, relax, maybe play some Elden Ring and edit the next podcast. But that being said, if there is big news coming out of Japan, I'll probably do another of the uh, Japan Login Club podcast and we'll do another Get Prefectured. So that'll be fun. Um, check us out online. That's where I usually announce that there's going to be a podcast coming. So send me your questions and travel stories to longinclub at gmail.com, and they might be read on the podcast. Follow the podcast online at Longin Club on Twitter, and look for the Japan Longin Club podcast on Anchor, Spotify, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, and anywhere else that you may listen to your podcast. And as they say, John ain't, and have a great day. Take care. <laughs>